There it is. Good morning, folks. Good morning. Let's worship together. Would you stand and sing with us? Yeah. 
Please be seated. This morning, we are blessing our shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child. This is a great, great thing. I don't, I don't know what the final count's going to be, but I looked the other day, we had 158. And I know folks have brought some in since then, so progress, right? We, always, we did 144 last year, so we are, we are increasing anyway. I hope everybody in here is familiar with this, but I'll just, I'll just give a brief blurb of Operation Christmas Child sends these boxes to children all around the globe in all sorts of places. And it's a great witness of God's love. It shows them that there are people that they'll never see, most likely, that care about them enough to send them something and to tell them that God loves them and Jesus died for them. That's a great thing for them to know about. So this is a mammoth project. I don't even know. Do you know, Carl, how many warehouses they have? Ours will start out by going to a collection place here, and then they'll go to Dallas, and then they'll go who knows where. Some of them will probably literally end up in Timbuktu, right? could happen. Anyway, it's our tradition here to bless these boxes and pray over them before we send them off. So please join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you allow us to take part in this important ministry of spreading your good news and telling people of your kingdom. Lord, I ask your blessing upon these boxes. I ask your blessing upon everyone who handles them along the way. May even the cargo handlers that know nothing of your love come to question what these boxes mean and through them come to a knowledge of your saving grace and love. Lord, we ask a special blessing upon all the children and the families who receive these boxes that they too will see your goodness, your grace, and your love and come to reflect that in their communities, in their countries, so that the world would know of your love and goodness. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I'd like to invite the kiddos forward at this moment. No announcements. No. I'm tired of announcements. We do need volunteers for the children's ministry. There's a sign-up sheet outside. Kiddos, go ahead and sit down. We're going to go ahead and sit down today. And I know there's other kiddos out there, so I'm going to talk to you from up here, okay? I want to talk to you guys about a different type of gift, right? We were talking about those and how they are gifts, and they go all over the world to kiddos who may have never received a gift in their life. And that's an amazing and beautiful thing because not only are they getting a present, right? We all like to unwrap presents. But they're learning that somebody halfway across the world cares about them and loves them because this amazing guy named Jesus taught us to, right? But there's another gift I want to talk about today. We had a holiday this week called Veterans Day, right? And Veterans Day is where we honor those who have served in our military. 
those people who have fought for our freedom and defended our freedom since before we were even the United States of America, and we were just 13 colonies annoyed at our king, and we had a militia, right? All the way up until present day. And I'd like to ask right now for anybody who has served in the military, any veterans we have out there, to go ahead and stand at this moment so we can say thank you for your service, for your protection, for your dedication. Thank you. And kiddos, I want you to look out there and the kiddos who are sitting down still and see all the people in our congregation who have served in the military because we have quite a few here. We are blessed to have veterans in our congregation. We're blessed to have active duty in our congregation. We want to say thank you to all of them. So this time we are going to have Pastor Jim come up and explain to us a project we're doing today. What we're doing today is, y'all will love this. We're going to get out of church early. Right. Now, what we're going to do is we are going to end the service proper at 10 minutes before the hour so we can go out front. Now, what we're going to do is we've got some helpers here. We have some rocks, right? If you would like to remember a veteran or multiple veterans, then write their name on the rock. A lot of you are aware that out by the Peace Pole, we have names of veterans. We also, we also when we uh, pray on, at prayer time on Mondays, we have a, a bowl over here that has rocks in it that have veterans' names on them. Anyway, most of the rocks out there by the Peace Pole right now don't have anything written on them because of the rain and the sun. They've, uh, they've faded or completely washed away. So what we're going to do after we sing Go Now in Peace, like we normally do at the end of the service, for those of you who want to, we're going we're gonna to walk out front here, and we're going to pray over our rocks for our veterans and their families. And then uh, sometime later this week, the rocks will be repositioned around the peace pole out there. So, so that's what we're going to do. Like I say, if you, if you want to join us, we will, we will file out at approximately 10 minutes till uh, 10 and pray over the rocks out, the, out front. All right, we're going to skip spark worship, and we're going to go dig up more rocks. This is wonderful. And I want everybody to put their rocks down before I start talking. Okay. So. We're going to do something else different this morning. It was a suggestion and a good suggestion. As most of you noticed, there have been a few changes over the past 18 months or so. One of them is we don't, we don't pass the plate anymore, right? And it was pointed out to me, and it was a good suggestion that, you know, we're in the habit of after, after the offering that we sing the doxology, right? Which is a, which is a good thing. It's giving praise to God and, and, and thanksgiving, which is what it's all about. After rainbows and rattlesnakes, we're going to start doing doxology. I'll begin our rainbows and rattlesnakes with the rainbow it is to see all of you this beautiful, beautiful morning. I mean, hasn't the weather been outstanding? Praise the Lord, you know, praise the Lord. No AC, no heat, you know. It's a, 
a wonderful thing. Oh, Lord, we pray. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we do thank you for the blessings you give us. We lift up those who need healing of any kind. We lift up praise to you again for the Operation Christmas Child Ministry. Lord, we lift up praise to you for those who have served and continue to serve our country that we might enjoy the blessings of liberty. Lord, we lift up those anywhere who lack the basic necessities of life. We lift up those wherever there is violence in the world. We lift up the leaders of this country and all the countries of the world that they would seek and do your will, that there would be peace and harmony and plenty for all of your children. Lord, we ask that you would open our ears, our hearts, our understanding as your word is proclaimed this morning. Let us absorb it that we might be better followers of your son who taught us to pray saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, this is November, right? Duh. And what do we do in November? We celebrate Thanksgiving, right? Which I've said before, and I'll probably say again, is uh, I think it's the best holiday because it, we stop and re- we, we consciously stop and remember and thank God for the blessings that we've been given. You know, I think a lot of times... On holidays, we enjoy the holiday, but we might not so much think about thanking God. So this morning, we're going we're gonna to spend a few weeks here talking about gratitude and giving thanks and, and living with a grateful heart, which is uh, something we should all do, something we should all do all the time, as we'll be reminded in this morning's scripture. When I was thinking about this and all, I was, and I was thinking about some different different things, I started thinking about bridges. Do y'all like bridges? I like bridges. They're pretty neat. And I guess it was three weeks ago, Rebecca and I were in Florida, and the place we stayed in St. Petersburg, from our balcony, you could see, oh, what do they call it? The Skyway there in Tampa Bay. Anyway, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a relatively new bridge, and it's really amazing. It, it's amazing. The Sunshine Skyway, that's, that's the word I was groping for, sunshine. We could see it from there. But then I, then I, start, you know, I, I start thinking about other bridges. This is, this is Veterans Day. I have, a, I have a picture in my office of the last ship I served on going under the Golden Gate Bridge. That's a bridge people think about a lot. 
And then I'll never, never forget, never cease to think about the Narrows Bridge up in, uh, up in Washington State. What an amazing, amazing thing, you know. And, of course, the first one fell in, all right? You know, they have, th those engineers must not have, they must have been asleep in their calculus class or diff equations or something like that. What do bridges do for us? What do bridges do for us? They, they let us go from one point to another point in safety, right? In safety uh, and otherwise very, very difficult or dangerous situation. Or they also expedite things. You know, you can, many places where there are bridges, there were formerly ferries, right? And it took longer, uh, I think in all cases, but it certainly in most cases to take the ferry than it does to take the bridge. You know? one, of the, one of the latest ones that actually, I, th I think they've actually pretty much done in a ferry is from New Brunswick to Prince Edward Island, right? Have any of you ever, have any of you had the opportunity to go there on the Confederation Bridge? That, that ties Brunswick to uh, Prince Edward Island. It was only finished in 97, in 1997. It's eight miles long. It's quite a bridge. I mean, it's, it's, it is quite a feat. It's the longest bridge in the world over cold water, right? Cold water. So that's, that's, that's what it keeps you out of. It's a wonderful thing. They let, you, they let you drive across the bridge for nothing to get to Prince Edward Island, but then you have to pay, like, your firstborn child to get back. No, I mean, no, it really is. It's, 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 like, it's like $28 or $30. It's, I mean, it's, it really is quite a, uh, quite a toll uh, to come back, but it is an absolutely amazing bridge. This morning... We're going to read from 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians also is the, we believe, we believe, uh, biblical scholars being the we, that 1 Thessalonians is the oldest book of the New Testament. It was the, it was the first book that Paul wrote. And all of Paul's writings, a lot of times we don't think about this because we, I think we tend to think of things in the order that we get used to knowing them, right? We think Matthew was the first book of the New Testament. It is the first book of the New Testament as far as the way we study the New Testament and think about it. But chronologically, it's not. Chronologically, all of the Gospels were written after Paul wrote his letters. And, and the first letter that Paul wrote was the first letter to the people of the church at Thessalonica. And Paul, in this, in this particular place, really tells us how to, how to conduct ourselves as Christians, how to conduct ourselves as Christians. And if we conduct ourselves as Christians, it's, it's like a bridge that makes it easier for us to go through life. I'll read our, our passage this morning. If any of you care to join me, I think it's on page 1077. Comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting with verse 12 down through verse 22. 
Consider the word of the Lord. But we appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and admonish you, esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, beloved, to admonish the idlers, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all of them. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise the words of prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me, for me. Gracious and loving God, we thank you. We thank you for everything that you give us. We thank you especially for Jesus who taught us how to live. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our salvation. So in the first part here, Paul, he's just telling us what good Christian conduct is, how we ought to conduct ourselves as followers of Christ, right? As followers of Christ. I was considering this. If you boil it all down, one way you could put it is Paul's telling us here that our job is to bring out the good in everybody and not to critique or criticize the bad. Not to do that. And he gives us some, he, he gives us some thoughts there. And then he says what? He says, this is God's will. What's God's will? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. That's God's will. Wow. Pretty amazing. You know, we still often hear folks say, I wonder what God's will is, right? Well, there it is. It's spelled out for you very, very clearly. The first thing he, the first thing he says that we ought to do to make it easier for us to traverse throughout life, to go across again the bridge of life, if you will, is we should rejoice always, right? Rejoice always. Now, we always try to look at where would Paul get a silly idea like this, right? Or, or a lot of things that we see. Well, Paul, of course, as he, as he tells us, was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, right? And he knew his Scripture. Now, I've, did you all know that in Scripture... It rejoices in the Bible 192 times. 192 times. So that's relatively significant, right? 
sad is in there 11 times. So it's something to consider. 192 to 11. What's more important? Let's, uh, Let's think about this. But anyway, one of the first places, one of the first places we see the command to rejoice is in Deuteronomy chapter 16. And Deuteronomy chapter 16 is talking about the festival of weeks, the feast of weeks, which we call Pentecost, right? That's 50 days after first fruits. And it says in there that you are supposed to rejoice before the Lord. And it, give, it gives the list, everybody, you, your sons, your daughters, uh, your servants, the Levites. I, th- I, th- I thought that was pretty interesting, too, that it says specifically the fatherless and the widows and the strangers that are among you. Everybody. Everybody's supposed to rejoice. And the reason they're supposed to rejoice is because you're supposed to remember that God brought you out of Egypt, out of bondage, right? Out of bondage and gave you the law. See? Our Jewish brothers and sisters, when they celebrate the Feast of Weeks, when they celebrate Pentecost, the main thing they celebrate is that God gave them the Torah, the law, which really gives them freedom, right? Gives them freedom is what it gives them. They're not slaves any longer. Slaves don't get to make decisions for themselves. Free people do, and free people get the choice. And then if we bring it on up into some of Paul's writings, and the, a, a reason for us all to rejoice all the time, we find in Romans 6, right? Romans 6 tells us what? We are free from sin and death, right? Romans 6.23, right? Because the, wa- the wages of sin is what? Death, right? But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right? Amen. So it's something to rejoice about. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Now I said, you know, you know, a lot of times uh, we, we look at things, but who we need to always look to is Jesus, right? The author and perfecter of our faith. So how would Jesus pray for us? Or how did Jesus pray for us? And how should we pray for other people all the times? Well, it's real simple. It's in John chapter 17. John chapter 17 is pretty much a prayer of Jesus, period. And there's, there are numerous things Jesus prays for for us in there, but I want to point out three in particular. The first one is he asks God to protect us from the evil one. Protect us from the evil one. And that's something we can all pray for each other when we're praying without ceasing. And I don't, and I don't think praying without ceasing means every second of every day. I think it means that we are continual in our habitual prayer and that when we come up across a situation in life that we were not sure of, we should ask God. You know, John Wesley said that you should always pray before you spend money. So if anybody in here does that, praise God. You're doing well. I I work at it, but... I don't always pray before I spend money, you know, but, but I should. The next thing that Jesus prays for us 
is that we would be sanctified. We would be sanctified in God's word, of course. And of course, sanctified is just a fancy word for being set apart, being holy. Okay, we're called to be a holy people. You know, Leviticus 19.2, I, the Lord your God, am holy. You, you should be holy because of that, right? I am holy, so you should be holy. And it says, Jesus prayed that we would be sanctified in God's word. And he says there, your word is truth, right? Your word is truth. Again, something we need not, we need not ever forget. And the third thing he prays for us there in John chapter 17 is that we would be one. We would be one. He says that they would be one like you, Father, and I are one. I am you, you are in me, and they should be in us. There should be unity in the body of Christ, in Jesus' followers. Why? So that the world would know that God sent Jesus to them. That's why we have unity. Y'all know that I, uh, I go to prison regularly. And one of, the th- you know, one of the things we stress in our prison ministry is that the team gets along well together, right? You get any group of people together, you're going to have some, at least some minor conflicts. That's so that the folks in prison see that we work together in harmony. We need to do that for the whole world all the time. Christians ought not to be fighting with each other. Or, or if we do, it ought to be amongst ourselves and not out where the rest of the world observes it, right? And it really shouldn't even be then. And then the next thing we need to do here that's God's will, remember, rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, and giving thanks in all circumstances is God's will for us, okay? We should give thanks in all circumstances. Again, we turn to Jesus, right? He's out there. He's got 5,000 hungry people, actually more than 5,000 because they were, you know, they were sexist. They were just counting the men. They've got all these people out there that are hungry. They bring him five loaves and two fish, right? If we were throwing a banquet and somebody brought us five loaves of bread and two fish, we'd probably start complaining, right? How am I going to feed all these people with that? Jesus gave thanks, right? Even in that circumstance, which really when you think about it on the face of things, we think about the miracle, but you don't think about the, the, the physical reality of it, okay? You got all these people, all these hungry people, and you got five loaves and two fish, right? What did Jesus do? He gave thanks for it. He gave thanks for it, and there was more than enough for everybody. On the night that he was betrayed, right? Tells us in Corinthians chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, on the night in which he was betrayed, boy, that'll make you feel good, right? It said he took the bread and he gave thanks. He knew he was about to be crucified, and he gave thanks, right? And then... After his resurrection, right? They're walking down the road to Emmaus there. They recognized him, right? They didn't recognize him until he sat down and he gave thanks, right? 
our Lord and Savior was recognized by his characteristic of giving thanks, as should we be. As we're going through life, let's remember, our job is to bring out the good in people, not to criticize the bad. And if we do that, if we do that, it's much easier to bring them across that bridge from death to life. And it's so, so simple. When all we do is rejoice, pray, and give thanks. Amen? Now go in peace. And as you go, rejoice, pray, and give thanks. And as you do that, do it with the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the unity of the Holy Spirit. Amen. strong and